We're going through a series you can see on the screen, God is, is God. And we're exploring um, some big claims and questions about God and deconstructing some things. Can you remember a few weeks ago I shared about um, breaking some things down that are not good in order to replace them with things that are good and are true. And I just want to share two things before we look at the theme for this week. And, and the first thing is that um, the messages, the talks, as with every single week, are based on the assumption that what we read in God's Word, the Bible, is true and is reliable. These are just some pointers of why we can rely on the Bible. I want to think about the first three because that talks about the textual um, Grounds that we have to, to trust that God's word is true and reliable. In fact, it's 99.5% or recognized as 99.5% textually accurate by both Christian and non-Christian scholars. And the reasons are the number of manuscripts that there are. And, and they use these tests not just for the Bible, but also for other things, uh, for other um, kind of texts uh, looking uh, at ancient times and written about ancient times and history. The number of manuscripts, the, the, the time between the event and um, the event that's being written about and the time it was written. How close is that? Some of the New Testament was written within 10 years very, very close to the time. Some of it was written um, 50, 60, 70 years. But the New Testament, very, very close in comparison to um, the vast majority of other um, historical texts around that time. The third thing, the accuracy and correlation between the manuscripts. The majority of inaccuracies or things that aren't the same in, in all of these manuscripts that have been found, and bits of parchment here and bits of parchment there. The inaccuracies are small spelling errors, and there aren't many of them. And none of them, none of the inaccuracies, change the main thrust or teaching of the verse. And then there are some other things there. So, number one, we can rely when we open up God's word, we can rely on its truth, its authenticity, its reliability, it, that it is a historical record. The issue, let me read, read this quote, the issue of New Testament reliability is no longer an issue contested by non-Christian scholars and for good reason. Simply put, if we reject the authenticity of the New Testament on textual grounds, We'd have to reject every ancient work of antiquity and declare null and void every piece of historical information from written sources prior to the beginning of the second millennium AD. God's words, reliable. That's number one. Number two is, I want us to piece the jigsaw together. Is Alan here? Alan, you, you love jigsaws, don't you? Um, in September or October time, Alan actually brought some of his jigsaws to sell so that people could give some money to the Hub Hub's home. Alan, if I gave you a jigsaw piece, is that a jigsaw? What is it? An edge. An edge. Oh, 
He knows his jigsaws. He knows that we want an edge first or a corner first. Actually, if I give him a jigsaw piece, all I've given him is a jigsaw piece. And what Alan would want is actually all of the jigsaw pieces to put together to make the jigsaw. So you could see the whole picture. When we look at who God is through, the, through uh, Scripture, we're going to examine, and it's really good to delve deeply into one or two or, or, or three different jigsaw pieces. But it's really important that we try to put those jigsaw pieces together to see the fullness of who God is. Because God wants us to know him more and more fully. He wants us to uh, piece the jigsaw pieces together. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you think, oh, does that fit with that one? How does it fit? Do I need to turn it around? Do I need to put it elsewhere? We need to work out how the different pieces of the jigsaw of who God is and what he's like fit together. So today, we're considering how God is unchanging. And through it, we will see some of the things of piecing some of the jigsaw pieces together. Because we live in an unchanging world. An unchanging world? What do you say, Sid? It's a constantly changing world. Thank you for being awake. Thank you. Thank you. Sid, you're, you're getting ready to come up here and start preaching, mate. Um, Sid's clarified and, and corrected. We're living in a changing world. It's like a Rubik's Cube at times. Things keep on changing. Um, who has one of these? This is an iPhone. What iPhone do you think it is? <laughs> Some people go, uh, uh, sorry? Oh, it's an iPhone SE. What, what year? No, iPhone SE 2020. I had it um, upgraded in May. I went to the 2020 model. In 2007, iPhone was first released. Over 15 years, how many iPhones have been, as in how many different kinds of iPhone have been introduced? So, someone says too many, yeah. How many? 33. That, that is too many, yeah. 33 iPhones. We're, we're living in a technologically changing world. Let's just have a look at this. Accelerated growth in technology. Now, the years are going up in increments of 50, and you can see from the, the time of the printing press, the telescope, etc., 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 it rockets up. If you were born around about 1950 onwards, you have been living through such a steep curve or an acceleration of technological advancements. There is no, um, kind of no dispute of that. And it's also really clear possibly why you're so tired. <laughs> Things just keep changing. I need to upgrade this. You need um, the new software now. Technological advancement, it, it, it's going up so fast 
that you blink and you miss a new iPhone being introduced. It's not just technological change. The international scene, economic changes, conflict. During COVID, the regulations that uh, were changing kind of this time you, you can wear a mask, um, next time you don't have to, but now masks are introduced and you need to be in a group of five. Now it's 10, now it's only your family as long as you've got 30 in your family and none of them are called Bill, etc. Things kept on changing. And in a constantly changing world, we can get exhausted. We can feel unsettled, feel weary. But the truth of Scripture, from the reliability of Scripture, is that God is unchanging. These are some verses. Some of the verses that directly say or, or strongly emphasize that God doesn't change, that God remains the same. I think the Malachi verse is pretty clear. I, the Lord, do not change. James chapter 1, verse 17. God doesn't change like shifting shadows. We're in an ever-changing world, but with God, we, because he doesn't change, we can know where we stand with him. We can, we can know that he is dependable. That he is trustworthy. That he is reliable. Any of you know someone who's quite fickle, or sometimes when you, you meet meet with them meet with them, you don't know which one, which version of them you're going to meet. Anyone know those things? Don't point at them. It's not helpful. With God, when we go to him, when we turn to him, we, we know the God that we're going to meet because he doesn't change. There's one verse that we're going to focus in on or refer back to a number of times and it's from uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight. Some of you will know this as a memory verse. You, you would have learned it at different times. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. The people who received the letter of Hebrews were Hebrew, Jewish believers, Jewish Christians, and they were facing a challenging and changing situation. Persecution was increasing, they were um, being taught different things, and they were thinking, okay, what do we do with all of the things in the Old Testament? that we've learned about God, that we've lived out um, throughout our lives and our upbringing, what do we do with all of that when we're introduced with Jesus as well? And in the challenging and changing situation with the understanding from the Old Testament, the writer uh, to, the book, um, to the Hebrew believers, probably in Jerusalem, is basically saying, stand firm, hold on to God's unchanging nature, hold on to Jesus, who, according to verse four of chapter one, of Hebrews is the exact representation of God the Father. So when we look at Jesus, we're seeing in his character and person and nature and power and ability, we're seeing an exact representation of God the Father. 
If you are going through an uncertain, a, a rocky time, a challenging or changing time, I pray that you will know the unchanging nature of God this morning. And that you will know afresh his, his dependability, his trustworthiness. And as, as you begin to piece together the jigsaws, um, he's unchangingly holy, he's, he's unchangingly good, he's unchangingly kind, he's unchangingly powerful, etc., etc. That we, we will know these things, but also we'll be people who share these things. Two weeks ago I shared this slide. The rise of the nuns, the duns, and the SBNRs. A few days after sharing this slide, a nun actually came in to church and she's offered to help with the English classes. I had a message straight away, we've got a nun. You said on Sunday, the rise of the nuns and they're coming in. But we're not talking about nuns that wear habits. We're, we're, people, uh, we're talking about people who have no faith or religious affiliation. An increasing group in the Western world, especially UK and US. The duns, the people who are done with faith, done with church, done with God, for whatever reason, something has triggered them and they have deconstructed their faith and left, um, left God, left church and things. And the SBNRs, and I met loads of these um, during the Arise Week, and I've met, met loads before, but especially during that week when we were out each day door to door. Yeah, I, I'm spiritual. I believe that there's a God. But I'm not going to allow it to impact my life and my faith. A few weeks ago, we, we introduced this concept of deconstruction, which um, we can do in a positive way. And we'll deconstruct some things that are unhealthy, that are not so good, and we'll replace them with good things. I gave the illustration then of what do you do when you have really bad mold in a room of your house? You take off the wallpaper and things, you clean it up, and then you put new, new fresh stuff in. God is unchanging. It's clear throughout Scripture that, it's, that he is unchanging. We'll, we'll have a look at that in a moment. But maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, hang on. God of the Old Testament, depicted quite often as a man with a big white or grey beard, quite often in European art, as bare-chested as well, showing off what? The muscles, the might, the power, the strength, the awesomeness of, of God. And then you'll have an image of Jesus too often in Western art depicted as a white man rather than a Middle Eastern man. And Jesus is depicted with kind eyes, loving gentle, accepting. And one of the things that, that we um, see in progressive theology, so where people move away from reading scripture maybe as, as it has been for, for generations and generations and move to a more liberal understanding of scripture is they begin to say, this is God of the Old Testament and we're going to put him in a box because he's changed. And now he's just loving and kind. And from that, that assumption that God is loving and kind with God of the Old Testament in a box, I'm going to move on. I'm going to progress in my theology and my thinking and my understanding that God is just loving and accepting and kind. And therefore I'm going to base my life, my decisions, the way that I speak to other people based just on that. And what we see um, with progressive theology and um, um, 
the, the son of Tony Campolo, Campale? Campolo? Yeah? Campo, Campolo. He was a, a minister who put the Old Testament gods in a box. God has changed and become just loving and accepting. And, and he now isn't a Christian. He's progressed further and just loves people and is kind to people. This is the minister of Tony, not Tony himself. And he, he recognizes that the start of his progression was when he made the change, or that God changed between Old and New Testament. Some of you are thinking, hang on, I've thought that he's changed because of passages like this. Okay, 1 Chronicles. The holy presence of God is being transported on a cart rather than what God's word says, on, on, um, carried by priests, but transported on a cart and um, a guy reaches out because the cart stumbles and the ark is about to fall and he reaches out and touches it and bam, he's consumed. That's a polite way of saying killed in the holy presence of God. Yet in Luke chapter 8, we see a lady who's been bleeding for 12 years reaching out to the holy presence of God to touch the holy presence of God and bam, is healed straight away. It's cleansed of her, her bleeding. Has God changed? Is that God of the, the Old Testament full of wrath and holiness and judgment? The God of the New Testament full of kindness and love and acceptance and healing? If we put God in a box of Old Testament God and New Testament God, we're not reading the Bible as the Bible should be read. We're only reading part of it. Let me use this as an example to help illustrate that. One of these verses, both of them are from the Bible, one of these verses is from the Old Testament. One of them is from the New Testament. Ladies and gentlemen, the game starts now. Now, which one do you think, and I won't do a show of hands, but which one do you think is from the New Testament and which is from the Old Maybe you want to turn to the person next to you. Some of you are already doing that. And you can say what you think. If you're joining us online, maybe you could write down what you think. Which one is which? One of them says, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Another one says, I'm in deep distress. Let's fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercy, for his mercy is great. Okay. The one on the green background, someone said last week that's a yellow background, no, it's, it's green. This one, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living gods, is in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31. It's talking about Jesus returning and judging the living and the dead. And in a context of God who hasn't changed throughout the beginning of, of scripture through to the end, it's talking about Jesus being the judge. And for those who haven't turned and believed in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it would be a dreadful thing for them to fall into the, the hands of the living gods. Allow that truth that this is in the New Testament 
to be a wake-up moment for the people that you love. A wake-up moment for you to, to think about the people that you love that aren't following Jesus yet. And think, God, I don't want them to fall into your hands and it, for, for it to be a dreadful day. David, King David from the Old Testament, he said to one of his friends, I, I'm, I'm in deep distress. Let's fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercy is great. In the New and Old Testament, we see God revealed as love and mercy and kindness and graciousness and compassion and also God as holy, righteous, judge, perfection, desiring for us to be like him. God doesn't change, but the way he reveals himself does change at different times in scripture. The burning bush. Does God stay as a burning bush? No. In a moment, in Exodus 3, we see God revealing himself to Moses as a burning bush that doesn't actually get burnt or consumed. Weird, but wonderful. A donkey. God reveals himself to someone called Balaam through his donkey. Does God stay as that donkey? No, is the answer, but everyone's like. <laughs> Writing on a wall, God revealed himself to, to the kings, uh, to the king of, of Babylon, uh, uh, Babylon and Persia. We read it in Daniel. Writing on a wall. Does God continue to write on walls? No. But he's not limited. He could write on the wall now. God will change the way he reveals himself. Because God wants to reveal himself so people pay attention and show um, uh, and see what he is really like. His ultimate revelation of himself is through Jesus. Taking on human flesh and bone, muscle, blood, skin. He reveals himself to his creation. And what we see in Jesus is um, a pr progressive revelation of God's made complete. That all the promises, all the, um, the prophecies of God, all of the purposes of God being fulfilled in that revelation of God in Jesus. But what happens quite often is we mix up the God of the Old Testament changing into the God of the New Testament. And we mix that up and say that God changes. But actually what happens is God reveals himself in a different way, a promised way one that he's always kind of pointed towards. God changes the way he reveals himself, but he doesn't change his person or character. He stays the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. It's really important that we know 
for a number of reasons. It's really important that we know that God doesn't change. Pastorally, let's start there, because that's us. If we believe that God changes, and we're facing a situation where we need to know that God is big and mighty and powerful, and we get down on our knees, and we say, God, I really need to know how big you are. And God replies saying, actually, I was big in the Old Testament. But I'm just love and kindness now. Or I was really active in the times of the Bible. But I, I've kind of sat down now. How awful would that be for us if we were praying and God said, no, sorry, I've changed God doesn't change, and it's really important that we know that. It's really important that we know that God doesn't change because if we believe he changes, we're not reading a full version of Scripture. But we're getting a limited understanding and version of God's from a limited understanding and reading of the Bible. And that could lead us to um, either... Um, keep God at a distance, mysterious, that God isn't knowable. If we just read part of scripture. Or it might be that we start down a route that leads us to, um, to make some really costly decisions about our lifestyle or faith, or stops us from doing that. If God changes calls into question his dependability. If God changes, it changes the way that we share good news and, and the desire to share it. If you believe that everyone will get into heaven because God is loving and God is kind, can I urge you to open up the whole of scripture and read it? Because God's made it really clear that only some people will get into eternity without, uh, w with him and some will spend eternity away from him in punishment. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, sorry, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 to 10, we see that. That's New Testament, not Old There's a seriousness in the room. That God doesn't change. Let's now start to reconstruct things. And, and consider how his unchangeability is actually something that we can uh, hold on to with great strength. I'm going to put up a list of things. That if God doesn't change, he remains God in all of these ways and so much more. I'm not going to read this list, but I'm going to read through a few other things that I've just noted down. That God doesn't change his nature or character throughout the whole of Scripture. From the beginning of this book to the very end, he is the life giver. When God said, let there be light, there was light. Book of Genesis. When Jesus walked this earth, he said, I am the light of the 
Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In Revelation, there is no longer any need for sun, because God himself will be our light. God God unchanging. Throughout the Old Testament and the New, God is comforter. And one day he promises to wipe every tear from our eyes. From the Garden of Eden to the Garden Grave and all the way through to the beauty of his new creation when Jesus returns, God is provider. God defends and fights for his people and leads them into victory from the walls of Jericho through his victory over sin and death on the cross and and, uh, from the grave. Jesus leads the victory into the final battle at Armageddon. We're beginning to think of end time stuff. When Jesus returns, unchanged, unchanging. God doesn't change. He remains God. He remains the same. He remains holy. He remains love. He remains always good. His power continues, unchanged, unending. His kindness and compassion have no end. God's heart. God's desire to restore people to himself and for them to know God in all his fullness remains the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So what now? What are we going to do with this reminder or knowledge that God is unchanging? I put some things up there. Just some suggestions. Take time to read through the Old Testament. Don't put God in a box of New Testament God, Old Testament God. Keep God in a book. And get God from that book and and allow him to impact our lives that he is unchanging throughout. Maybe you need to confess to someone that you put him in a box. And you've separated out God from the old and God, God of the new. Maybe you want to consider what difference God being unchanging will make in your life this week. Piece together two pieces of the the jigsaw because of your unfailing love, God. We're not consumed. Your compassion never fails. Unending, unchanging and timeless. The new every morning, fresh, new in the morning. Maybe... This message will increase the urgency or your passion for those that you love. That they will know the unchanging God and will receive his grace. In a few moments we're going to sing in response to worship and and also there'll be a chance to give financially as a thanksgiving to God. But I want us to stand first and pray. And Joe will lead us in a musical response, but let's start that response with prayer. Jesus, we thank you that you are the same today as you were yesterday, and you will be tomorrow. But I pray, God, that you will reveal yourself more fully to us as we open our eyes and our hearts to you. Unchanging, God, 
reveal yourself to us in all your fullness and greatness. We thank you, God, that you who commanded Joshua and the people to walk around the walls of Jericho call us to walk with you unchanging God thank you God that um, you gave Moses and your people the ten commandments and you continue to instruct us by your words in the way to live unchanging God who healed Naaman of his leprosy healed the blind made the lame to walk raised the dead and cast out demons unchanging God who came on this earth as Jesus Christ died for our sins and raised to life again so that we could also die to ourselves and be raised to life with you unchanging God thank you that you hear our prayers you catch our tears and unchanging God we thank you that you are here with us and are with us every single day Amen.